Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Constin, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Isaiah. It's awesome to be with you. I got my Celsius drink. I uh, had to try to... I had to try to match the uh, Isaiah energy. I think I'm having heart palpitations right now. I'm like, is this what it's like to be Isaiah? <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, I can't drink any caffeine like the days that I I'm bet. preaching or anything because I already talk too fast. People say, you need to slow down. So I'm like, hey, I don't need any help with it. But we are so excited to have you on here. It's going to be such an incredible time tonight. I would love, as I do with most of my guests, for you to start with who you are, sharing your testimony, taking your time, telling us about you, about your family. And then also after that, I would love, I didn't tell you this, but I'd love for you to tell me how you took off on social media. Cause you have, you're here a mom of 10, homeschooling your kids with over a million <laughs> followers on social media. I think that's so amazing. So thank you for being on the floor is yours. Very excited about tonight. Thank you, Isaiah. I just love and honor you guys, your family. I've been following you for a long time and awesome. um, really, really honored to be invited onto your platform and to connect with your followers. Um, I grew up in the Bible Belt. Uh, you can hear my Southern accent. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Georgia, live in North Carolina now. But, um, you know, everybody went to church. Uh, where I grew up. And uh, if you didn't go to church, you were a Satanist, basically. <laughs> and but I had never been born again until I was 13 years old. And I uh, committed my life to Jesus Christ uh, right beside my bed, uh, down on the floor. I kneeled to my uh, kneeled to the floor and asked the Lord Jesus to take control of my life. And he did. He radically saved me. At the age of 13, I was wow. starting to hang with the wrong people, starting to get in trouble. My mom had caught me skipping school. I had tried alcohol for the first time in my life. And I was hanging out with people that were having sex before marriage. And I was in danger as a 13-year-old, no question about it. And the Lord um, just plucked me out just in the nick of time. And uh, I began to follow hard after the Lord. As a 13-year-old, I began to just immediately separate myself from ungodly influences and went 110% in to Jesus Christ. I was a Baptist. I went to Baptist church with my, with my parents there in the Bible Belt. And, uh, you know, they taught us that um, they taught us cessationism, that the gifts yep. of the spirit were, were um, you know, not for today. And so here I am loving the word of God, loving Jesus, just wanting more and more of him. But I had some friends, Isaiah, um, in youth group who were encountering the Holy Spirit Come in a way on. that I was not familiar with. And I went on a mission to prove that this was demonic, that this Come was wrong, on. what they were experiencing. And uh, I love the Lord and began to search the scripture on this topic. And I went to the Christian bookstore, which was like my favorite place in the world to go um, as a as a new believer. I went to the Christian bookstore and got three books, Isaiah. This is so funny. The books were uh, Charles Stanley's book on the Holy Spirit, uh, who's a, another fellow Baptist, right? And um, um, let's see, who was the other one? Oh, oh, Billy Graham. 
Uh, he had a book on the Holy Spirit that I read and Benny Hinn's Good Morning Holy Spirit. Were the wow, three that's books. a mix right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quite the conundrum uh, I was in there. And I began to pour over these books and cross-reference with the scripture. And let me tell you, when I got to Acts, um, and I was just looking at it before uh, I came on with you, in Acts 19, when they said, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And Paul laid hands on them. They had been baptized. They had been born again right then and there, but they had not received the gift of the so Holy good. Spirit. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And so this passage in Acts 19, I could not run away from. And I found my nearest uh, Pentecostal charismatic church where I knew that they knew what they were doing. And I went down to that altar. And as a 16 year old, I got baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I'm so grateful. I do not know what my life would have been like if I had not had the precious encounter with the Holy Spirit, the baptism that has certainly um, carried me through many, many valleys throughout the rest of my life. So went off to college. Uh, My dad wanted me to get a college degree. And uh, I started the first pro-life, actually first pro-life group on my college. It was a secular university, Florida State University of Seminoles. And uh, I started Students for Life. And last I heard as of this uh, to this day, it is still a thriving pro-life organization. Yeah. And uh, got married and we had 10 children. Okay. Um, Super, super happy to be a mom, a diaper bag carrying homeschooling mom the rest of my life. Never intended on um, having any kind of platform and uh, just love to be with my children. Never understood why parents, you know, had children and then everybody went their separate ways all day long. I just, I'm I'm not, I'm not condemning that. And, and some people have no choice and just completely, I I'm a cheerleader for whatever you have to do. Okay. To raise your family in the fear and admonition of the Lord. But for me, because I was able to, I just could not understand why I would not um, keep my children with me and raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so this is what I did one by one. Yes, I gave birth to all of them. Yes, I knew what caused it. (laughs) Those are all the questions I get. No, I did not have any twins and um, began to build this family and do, do our best to build it on the foundation, the solid rock foundation of Jesus Christ. Um, we also always, Isaiah, took our children out. Um, I mean, not always, occasionally took our children out uh, to abortion clinics to wow. pray. We had friends who would go out to abortion clinics and pray and offer help and hope to the moms and dads going in. And they invited us out. And, um, it, you know, you go once and you're never the same. I don't know if you've ever been Isaiah to an abortion, but you're never the same. You go and you you're standing at the gates of hell at the darkest place of the city. And you are seeing with your own eyes, uh, women and men going in grandparents, driving their, their grandchildren in scheduled for this baby to be slaughtered. And you're never the same. 
And so we did this occasionally on and off with our children um, and didn't always see babies live say, but, but, you know, occasionally did, but let me tell you where the turning point, um, was David, uh, David, I was about to say the name David. That's why I said that Isaiah, let me tell you where the turning point was for me. I will never forget being in my bed. I was probably nursing my baby in bed beside me. Okay. And I was scrolling on my phone. This was in 2015, I think. And this was when the Center for Medical Progress videos came out where David Delighton had gone undercover yes, and was revealing conversations being had with abortionists, abortion doctors, as they sat there in these swanky, fancy restaurants, crunching on their salads, talking about how to crush the skull of a baby. Wow. And he is the one who revealed and exposed that baby's organs and body parts were being sold. And I was sitting there watching these videos and I was just so crushed and wrecked and knew that I had to get off the sidelines that I couldn't be one of those, on. you know, I had kind of been a, a fair weather, you know, pro-lifer, fair weather activist, if you will, fair weather rescuer. I can no longer be a fair weather rescuer that I had to get more diligent because this is the Holocaust of our day. Right. Yes. And so I began to organize teams at the Planned Parenthood there when this is when I lived in Ohio, um, in Columbus, Ohio, to make sure that every day there was not a day that Planned Parenthood wasn't open where there was not a gospel witness out there, where there was not a loving family out there saying we will adopt your child. There is no situation so desperate that would call you to take the life of the child inside of you. Please come and talk to us. Please let us love you. Please let us provide resources for you. Please let us give you help you with medical care. Please let us pay your rent and throw you a baby shower as you choose life for your baby. And I began to organize teams to do that. And that is when I think things shifted a lot. Um, Isaiah and I began to see that God might want me to do a little more than homeschool, a little more than carry a diaper bag, that he Come might on. have a place of um, of leadership for me that I would need to step into. It wasn't comfortable for me, but step by step, I began to uh, to step into that. And, um, and then, I don't know if you want me to get into the whole... Um, you know, if you want to stop me and say something yourself right now or get into no, how I did want to ask you. Happened. So you were taking your kids to abortion clinics. We used to do this yeah. when we first started our revival. We would go me, my sister, a bunch of our friends, and we would go pray outside these abortion clinics and try to talk to people how we could. What were you guys doing at these abortion clinics? Were you holding signs? Were you talking to people like there's people probably watching this saying, man, I would love to get involved and do something like that. Can you just give us a tiny bit of an idea of what that looked like when you would bring your family to these abortion clinics? Literally, if you just show up, God shows off. Yes. I, I'm I'm telling you, just make yourself available. Just stand there and pray silently. Yes. Um, have maybe um have maybe some literature that shows the developing um baby inside a mother's womb. So that if a mom rolls down her window and stops to talk to you, we would just wave and smile at women coming through. They would roll down their windows and we would say, Hey, my name is Elizabeth. What's your name? You know, what's your situation? What's brought you here? 
Can wow. I pray for you? And they would begin to open up. Sometimes they would say, you know, are you pregnant? Do you know how many weeks pregnant you are? And they will say eight weeks or six weeks. Oh, this is what your baby looks like right now. Wow. Can I take you over here to the crisis pregnancy center and get a free ultrasound? You know, because they'll tell them the the truth at the crisis pregnancy center, yes. but over at Planned Parenthood, they're actually going to turn the monitor uh, so that the woman can't see her baby and can't see the heartbeat, the beating heart, because if a woman sees the beating heart, she chooses life for her baby. Wow. That's wow. what the statistics show. And so we would begin to engage this woman in just loving conversation, letting her realize that there is another option and that her situation could never be so desperate to murder her child. And these women, would begin to choose life for their baby. So this is what it looks like. Now, our favorite thing to do oftentimes outside the abortion clinic is bring a guitar out and lead worship. Amazing. Like you're at the gates of hell. You bring heaven to the Come gates on. of hell. My kids are um, worship leaders. They are Levites. And so we would, we would go out there and just begin to sing the praises of the Lord. Oftentimes the girls would come out because they could hear our worship. They could hear our hymns. They could hear our praises to Jesus inside the waiting room as Come they are on. waiting to be taken back and they would choose life for their babies. So like we say, just show up, man, and God will show off. You will not believe what he will do if you'll just make yourself available. Some days are slow. Some days you don't see saves. Some days you show up and within an hour, there are three women who choose life. You have literally rescued three whole people in just a few moments at the, I mean, there's nothing more rewarding. My kids got so addicted to seeing lives transformed that, you know, they're not on Xbox and playing Fortnite because man, when you're watching, going with mom, throwing a baby shower for a, a child who's about to come into the Thank world, who was going to have their limbs torn off, you know, just months before my gosh, who cares about Fortnite? Like we can talk about parenting in a little bit, but this is one of the best things I think that I ever did as a parent. So amazing. I remember one time we were in an abortion clinic, a Planned Parenthood not far away, and we had just gotten saved. You know, we were out there doing crazy stuff in the world, and now we're like, we're saved. What are we going to do for God? But we used to go every few days and pray at some of the local abortion clinics, and we'd pray. And my sister really headed this up. She was very, very passionate about this. And mm -hmm. one day we were praying, and I don't know, maybe six, seven, eight, nine months had gone by, maybe a year had gone by. We were out there praying, praying, and a lady came up, a young lady, and said, I came here, I don't know, seven months ago. I was halfway through my pregnancy and you guys were out here praying and I talked to you which was my little sister she said I talked to you for a little bit and left she didn't we didn't know she was there to have we she were just talking to her while we were out there praying at this abortion clinic and she said I want you to look in my back seat and there was her baby that God had spared and she said if you guys wouldn't have been here this baby wouldn't be here and what moms will always say and you guys in the chat know this is true once they have their baby they will say I don't understand life without this baby like I can't I can't right. understand how I would have lived without this child and so by giving yeah. them another option there's a better way this is the good news of Jesus Christ that you don't have to give your child you don't have to kill your child you don't have to give up you don't have to quit and maybe you're watching this live right now and you're in tears in your eyes, like many even the chat saying you are, because you think there's no other mm -hmm. option. You think I, I'm too young, I can't afford it, there's no other option, which later we'll talk about other options, but I really wanna tell you that there's hope for you, there's life for you, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
he is life so tonight i really want to encourage those of you watching that think maybe there's no hope maybe i have nowhere to go this is going to ruin my life let me say this the devil is a liar a baby will not ruin your life a child i know culture has made it seem like if the more kids you have the worse your life is the more kids you have you know you need to go out to work and get a babysitter and be successful that's that's the enemy's agenda the devil wants you to think that kids will make your life miserable isn't that that what the devil would do because the bible says that children are a gift from god that god gives those to gives children to those he trusts so the devil would pervert it to say god says children are a gift the devil says oh no children are a burden they're too expensive i have friends right now that are like well i don't know they're in their mid-30s and they still think why well, i'm not ready for a kid yet i'm like just have the baby just have kids it'll work out god will provide but we live in this generation mm -hmm. that is so safe and so anti-women at home with with their kids and you know people always ask what does my wife do and i'm so proud to say my wife's a stay-at-home mom and recently the mm -hmm. last like week We've made this, we've been saying this joke of like, when people say, what does your wife do? I say, she's a domestic engineer. Cause you know, everyone's, oh, is she engineer? Oh, does she go? It's like, yeah, she's a domestic engineer. So for all you stay at home moms, you can start saying that for all those people that want you to have this career and want you to have your kids get a babysitter. Again, we're not here to bash you or condemn you, but you are a domestic engineer. It's the best job in the entire world. It's the most rewarding job in the entire world. Children are beautiful. They're a gift from God. They're not a burden. And so I just wanted to throw it out there. Cause I know there's people in the chat right now Maybe you're hearing the story and that's you. You're in front of the abortion clinic right now. In your mind, you're in front of the abortion clinic. And you may be a day away, a week away, but there's hope for you. Man, so powerful, Elizabeth. I know people are being encouraged to go out and to do this. Also, I would love to ask you, so now here you are, you're taking your kids. How did you go from being, because there's a, a lot of stay-at-home moms watching right now, but how did you go from being this stay-at-home mom? I know you told me on the phone, you thought, you know, I'm always just going to be a diaper-changing mom carrying around the diaper bag. And now here you are, this pro-life activist, best-selling author, vlogger, blogger. God's used you on a national level, a worldwide level. Tell me about that. How did you go from just being here, this mom, to now being able to reach millions of people on social media? Well, I want to talk about that, but first I want to also make sure before, if we're pivoting into another subject, I want to tell a couple of stories real quick while we've been talking yes, about yes. abortion, about the abortion clinic and things that we have seen, just because I know you say people are commenting in the stream and if they, if this is on their heart and, and there are people, you know, who have had abortions or people that are contemplating an abortion right now, there are a couple of stories before we pivot into that, um, that, that I want to mention to you. Um, because I think it's important that, you know, this whole abortion issue has become something where we want to maybe say it's political or we think it's something very far away and distant and we don't understand um, on a very practical level what people are going through as they're going mm. into these clinics. And so I'll, I'll never forget one time a woman was driving into the plan, actually her a man drove her into the Planned Parenthood and we were there on the sidewalk. And he drives off and she runs out to us, Isaiah, and she says, help. I do not want to do this. He's wow. making me do this. And we immediately jump into action. You know, we have gifts there to give women to just encourage them and make them feel loved. Uh, you know, blankets for their baby they're going to choose life for and whatnot. We get her into a car. We exchange cell phone contact information. We get her to her mother's house. This man was her pimp. Wow. And she was being forced to go through abortion and abortion is birth control for, you know, pimps and for people that are trafficking um, women and minors 
and Planned Parenthood covers up that minors are coming in, abortion clinics cover that minors are coming in for abortion. So you have incest happening, you have trafficking happening. Uh, abortion is the the single most exploitative industry yes. of our lifetimes and in our nation. And, and yet the leftist media has used psychological warfare on us so effectively to convince us that it's actually pro-woman when it's actually the wow. most exploitive thing that can happen to a woman in our day and age. Okay. And so we got to flip the script on this and, yes. and come against the psychological warfare. And that's why this uh, topic is so important tonight. So anyway, we jump into gear and we began to provide real options for this women because drowning the baby in salt solution is not a real option. Wow. Tearing the baby limb from limb is not a real option, but you know, helping her pay her rent, being there, holding her hand, throwing her a baby shower, getting her a baby crib. These are actual options that they're not talking about inside Planned Parenthood where they want your 750 bucks and they want you to get out of there. Wow. Okay. They just want your money and they want you to leave. And then there you are left staring at yourself in the mirror, dealing with, you know, suicidal ideation, depression, all the things that women deal with after they know that they have taken the life of their own child. Wow. The mother's womb has become the most dangerous place for a baby to reside Wow. with one third of babies dying through abortion prior to Roe v. Wade being overturned. Now we hope we see a major change in those numbers. But up until this point, the mother's womb has actually, be the, the place that's supposed to be the so safest crazy. for the baby has become the most dangerous place for a baby to be. So there's one story for you, okay? Just to give you a little idea because people don't, they don't think of it that way. Like, okay, yes, some women are using um, abortion as, an expensive form of birth control. Okay. There are those. And then there are women who are literally being exploited and forced into this choice. Let's open our eyes to the fact that it's not all the same. Okay. There's a, a lot of variation out there. Um, I'll never forget the redheaded, beautiful girl that went in um, for her abortion and her uh, fiance was in the car waiting for her. And I cannot tell you how often Isaiah, when you go to minister at abortion clinic, how you will actually reach the woman and the baby through the boyfriend wow. who is sitting in the car waiting for the appointment to go down because this is not a quick process. And it actually takes two or three visits to the abortion clinic before the baby is usually aborted, depending on where the woman is in the pregnancy. This was one of those situations where we reached the mom and the baby through the fiance in this case. He's sitting there in his car and I begin to engage him and his window, you know, is up initially and he rolls it down a little bit and cracks it. And I begin to talk to him about why they're there, what's brought them there, how are they find themselves in this situation where the only option in their mind as a couple that's about to marry and start their life together is to kill this child. I begin oh. to describe the abortion process to this man sitting in this car. Here's this man. I'm trying everything on him, Isaiah everything I could possibly think of. Okay. I'm like, you know, trying his conscience, trying, you know, guilt, like trying the law, trying the Bible, trying science, everything. I'm throwing everything I have at this man. This is a long conversation and I'm pleading with him, please go in and get your fiance and your baby. 
because it's your baby. Wow. <laughs> be a be a hero today. Come on. And he was like, oh, no, this is her decision. You know, she's decided and I can't change her mind. I said, really? Let me ask you a question. I said, when she told you that she got with that she was pregnant, what if just the slight look of disappointment in your eye made her think that there was no other option and that she was going to lose you if she had the baby? Wow. I said, what if a simple text message from you to her in there right now saying, honey, there are other options. Let's not do this. Let's not start our lives together this way. Let's love this baby. What if a simple text message from you is all she needs? I got chill bumps right now Me too. because he went for it. He was convinced that she was, she was determined to have an abortion. He texted her. I watched this whole thing go down. Wow. He texted her that redheaded fiance ran out of that building and fell into his arms weeping thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and thanking him. And there they were choosing life for their baby. I mean, I have a picture with this couple that I could wow. show you. Okay. Incredible. And then there are situations, Isaiah, where like, a married couple with babies and children and toddlers in the back of their car drive up to the abortion clinic. Like there is such a variety and, but they're just people. Let's, let's take the mystery out of this, Isaiah. They're just people like you and me Yes, dealing with a very broken situation and they're broken and they're in the most broken moment of their lives. And this is when they need us more than any other time. And yet, you know, we have mega churches and churches on every corner and thousands and tens of thousands of people going to these churches every single week. And there's no one at the gates of hell. There's mm. no one right there at the abortion clinics. How many abortion clinics have no gospel witness? Come and just on. because Roe v. Wade has been overturned does not mean that in every state abortions are illegal. They are going on right now. The machine continues in so many states, in the majority of states, in fact. And in my state in North Carolina, the machine continues. And thank God here there is a gospel witness outside of the abortion clinic. But a lot of cities cannot say that. Don't let it be said of you. You have a golden Come opportunity on. to stand on a public sidewalk at the gates of hell and to minister and to watch men and women choose life for their children. So good. Elizabeth, I want to stay on this topic of abortion. I know we were going to talk about how you rose up. We'll talk about that after, but I, because what you're saying is so sobering. I just put, as you're talking, a counter on the screen right now. Guys, this makes my stomach turn. And, and I want to show and talk about the horrific side of abortion because for so long, we sugarcoat it. We water it down. We act like it's no big deal. It's this taboo to talk about. And the media has done an amazing job at hiding it and hiding the horrors of abortion. This is a counter on screen. This is live right now from World Counters. Abortions worldwide this year, 27,487,976. And as we're live right now, these are live. This is a live counter happening. This counter is going up. As we're talking right now, babies are being murdered as we and and let's be clear, it is an issue of murder. I think one thing that we've done is said it's a political issue. I've talked to pastor after pastor. Why aren't you talking about this? And we'll talk about Roe v. Wade in a few minutes here. And they'll tell me, well, I don't, I don't get into politics. 
Abortion is not a political issue. It's a life issue. Do not let the devil lie to you into thinking this is about politics. This is about spiritual forces. This is about a real demonic power wanting these babies dead. And the world is just a pawn in Satan's game. So this is this is a real thing. And you said it, you know, the most pl dangerous place in America is not Compton or Chicago. It's the mother's womb. I mean, think about how sobering that is what you said. The mother's womb is the most dangerous place in America. And right now we have Christians walking around that are pro they say pro-choice, but I call it pro-death, are pro-choice, are pro-abortion. And I just, I posted something, I know it gets a lot of people mad, but how could you be pro-choice or pro-death and Christian at the same time when the God that we serve and follow is the author of life? Let me give, I just want to give a couple statistics for maybe those that still aren't convinced. According to World Health Organization, every year there's an estimated 40 to 50 million abortions. This corresponds with, think about this guys, this is worldwide here. 125,000 abortions worldwide every single day. So from the moment you wake up, you go to work, you come home, you do what you have to do, you have dinner, you get your kids ready for bed, you go to bed, 125,000 babies have been murdered every single day. Now the Bible says clearly that innocent blood cries out to, to God. What does the cry sound like, Elizabeth, of 125,000 babies every single day to the courts of heaven and the throne of God? 125,000. God said, Cain, your brother, your brother Abel, his blood cries out to me. Innocent blood, the Bible says in Genesis, cries out and testifies to God. And I'm thinking of what does the cry of 125,000 babies every, not every year, not every month, not every week. And this is why this is one of the most important topics, period, to talk about every single day. In the U.S., half, half of pregnancies are unintended and four in 10, this is statistics here, four in 10 pregnancies are terminated by abortion. There's over 3,000 abortions every single day in the U.S. 22% of all pregnancies in the U.S. end in abortion. The average cost of an abortion is $500. That means you can go get a tune-up for your car and it'd be more expensive. A full tune-up is more than $500 and that's gonna be more expensive than murdering your baby. Or it's cheaper right now in the U.S to legally kill your child than to go buy a new flat screen TV. If we don't need revival, if we don't need a wake up call in the church, if the fact that your pastor, I hate to say it this way, but I have to, in the last 52 sermons, I mean, he preaches 52 times a year and he hasn't mentioned one time for the unborn, hasn't spoke out one time for life. The biggest law ever gets passed and he doesn't speak out. Let me, let me just read a couple more here. Abortion is the leading cause of death in the world. Second is heart disease, and then cancer is top three. In the entire world, abortion is the leading cause of death. Now, I want to say this because I know, and I'll ask you some questions a little bit here, but I know a lot of people say, well, what about rape, brother? What about incest? What about this? A, a thousand women were surveyed of why they got an abortion. So here you have a thousand women, they got an abortion, they were surveyed. This was the reason, the percentages of their reasoning. Listen to this, Elizabeth. Less than 1%, it's actually 0.5% of the thousand women surveyed got an abortion due to rape. So that means 0.5% oh, yeah. of a thousand women said, I got an abortion because of rape. So that throws out the whole, well, I was raped and what about rape? 3% was because of health issues, which we hear that all the time. Well, what about women's health? 3%, 4% were physical health problems. 4% uh, would interfere with their education or their career. 7% said they were not mature enough to raise a child. 8% said they didn't want to be a single mother. Listen to this. 19% of abortions of a thousand here were because they were done having children. 23% 
of, of these thousand women getting abortions, said I can't afford the baby. 25% said they weren't ready for a child and 6% said other reasons. So 48% of these 1,000 women that were surveyed, 48% were because they couldn't afford a baby or they weren't ready for a baby. So here's America's answer. Here's, here's the answer that America gives. You're not ready for a baby. You can't afford a baby. Well, guess what? We're going to go ahead and murder your child for you. And it's only going to cost you a small fee of $500, and it's going to be completely legal. And if you speak out against it, you're a hater, you're a bigot, you're, you, know, you, you don't respect women's rights, you should be locked up, you should have your channel deleted, you should be banned from social media, anyone that wants to speak out against this demonic agenda. Meanwhile, here we are live, and the number continues to count up. So how, how do we stop that number that's counting up live right now? We stop it by Christians rising up. I'm telling you guys right now, the future of America is not in the hands of politicians. The future of America is in the hands of the intercessors. God has always said that if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, then I would heal the land. And so we need people to raise up right now with knowledge, with wisdom, with revelation, with action. Like we can't just say, oh, I have faith. We need to do something about this. Go help your, mm -hmm. your pregnancy help center. Go to the uh, Planned Parenthood, mm -hmm. pray outside, talk to people. If, if anything you do, pray about this. When you're in prayer, say, Lord, mm -hmm. turn this, turn the tide. And God is answering prayers. I would love Elizabeth, talk to us a little bit for those that don't know, because obviously this live stream is to inform those that don't know. Roe v. Wade. I talk to Christians all the time. They have no clue that just two months ago this happened. Share a little bit about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. What does that mean? Does that mean now? Because some people think in the chat, well, that means abortion's illegal everywhere now, which tell me a little bit, Elizabeth, about what does it mean? How big of a deal is Roe v. Wade being overturned? And what does that mean for us today? Well, it's, it's huge in a sense that Roe v. Wade was overturned. We are so excited because this you know, um, in a very prophetic sense, this blood guilt had to be washed from our land, this stain of uh, this uh, Supreme Court decision, which was, you know, so evil and so unconstitutional, um, never should have happened in the first place. I mean, we got seven men in robes decided that, you know, it was going to be okay uh, to kill these children. And now 60, over 60 million babies um, have been, have been executed because of this unconstitutional decision. And so, um, yeah, we weep and we mourn over these children and we're about to hit the 50th anniversary in January. And you're preaching my, my message. You're singing my song to me right now. Uh, talking about Second Corinthians um, and and how we must um, repent and mourn yes. as a people and ask God to forgive us for the complacency, ask him to forgive us own this sin as a people, even if we've never had an abortion. Um, it, it it's it's really as uh, sure as an equation. Isaiah two plus two equals four. He said, if my people who are Come called on. by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. He didn't say if the wicked, he said, if my people, yes. then I will hear from heaven and heal 
uh, and forgive their sin and heal their land. And that is why we declared a day of mourning in 2019. Uh, 40,000 were, were mourning and repenting via live stream. 4,000 showed up in upstate New York in 2019 as we asked the nation to close their shops, close on their businesses, wear black, and mourn with us over our sins as a nation. Wow. And uh, it was a powerful, powerful time in upstate uh, New York in 2019. And we warned uh, Cuomo, we warned the state of New York, we warned the nation that if we did not repent and turn from this child sacrifice and bloodshed, that we would be judged. And a year almost to the date, COVID hit our shores, a plague hit our nation um, a year later. And so, and, and now we're, you know, two years out of that. And here we are with Roe v. Wade um, being overturned. And so this is a powerful time. Um, we're just, I'm agreeing with Lou Engle that we're going to move from Roe to revival. Come on. And um, and so we are seeking God for revival in our land. So it's huge. It had to happen. However, uh, many states had um, moved to enshrine abortion into state law. Mm. Um the governors had already done that. Senate's um, uh, houses of legislature had already done that to make sure that if Roe v. Wade was going to be overturned, that their state would continue to kill children. And that is what is taking place. And so um, here in my state of North Carolina, we have um, Kami Cooper, as some call him, is uh, our um our governor and abortions continue in mm. many states, several, um, there are abortion bans that are taking effect. I mean, some of them, even as we speak, like this week are yeah, taking effect today and yep. And so abortion clinics are closing down in states. Now, um, keep in mind, there is still abortifacient morning after pills. These are abortive medications that are being, uh, taken, um, abortifacients that are being prescribed in the uh, pharmacies and whatnot. And so um, we have a long way to go, Isaiah. This is this is not over by any means. And in fact, now the crisis pregnancy centers need our help more than ever because they are going to be their services are going to be needed more than they have ever been needed before wow. because women are not going to be able to shoot over to the abortion clinic for their very expensive birth control abortion. Uh, and so they are going to start making better decisions because of this. It should not be legal for you to kill your child. Yeah, yeah you do have to make better decisions. Yeah, you can't just go out and have casual sex. I mean, as soon as Roe v. Wade um, was overturned, you know, TikTok was all ablaze with women, uh, girls lamenting the fact that they could no longer have casual sex. Yeah, you're darn right. Come on. That's exactly right. You're going to have to start making some better decisions. Uh, whereas, you know, abortion and Roe v. Wade was covering for your terrible decisions. And now you're going to actually need to make some, some wise decisions. And so um, th this is a shift. This is crucial. It has to happen. You're beginning to see that shift again, as people are saying, oh no, I can't just have sex with whoever I want. Um, and, and so that's kind of the lay of the land right now and, and what's going on. And we're going to go continue to work state by state, Isaiah, um, to make sure that these babies are protected, not just by love, not just by Christians, not just by adoption, but also protected by law. Nevertheless, 
Christians should be frequenting as much as possible um, their local abortion clinics if they are still open in your areas and being a gospel witness there. So good. I want to also talk to you about the radio silence of the church. Let me give your give give me your raw response. I'll give you mine really quick here. I remember when Roe v. Wade was first overturned. It was it was honestly unbelievable. It was like I didn't even people said why weren't you announcing on stream the day it happened. I was so shocked by all the stuff that was transpiring. I was like, this is too good to be true. This can't be real. Yeah. What, what was more shocking to me, Elizabeth, wasn't Roe v. Wade being overturned. What was even more shocking than that, which it was shocking and incredible, the best thing ever, was the response I saw from the church. Obviously, I'm very highly connected into the church. I've traveled for 12 years to churches all over America. I have a lot, a lot of pastor friends. And I thought, okay, everyone's going to be posting, excited, blowing the trumpet. Every Sunday morning is going to be you haven't seen a party until you've seen the party on Sunday morning because mm. we're going to be shouting, we're going to be screaming, we're going to be dancing, we're going to be running around. The victory is ours. Now, of course, we know the states still decide, but it would no longer federally be a constitutional right to get an abortion. Before this two months ago, this overturning, I thought about this, Elizabeth, just a few weeks ago. 1865, slavery was ended. The 13th Amendment was added to the Constitution. The 13th Amendment saying you can no longer own a slave. It'll be illegal. That was 1865. Here we are, 2022. How many years is that? A lot of years. 2022, abortion is overturned. And I'm thinking, wouldn't this be the biggest overturning since the ending of slavery? I mean, what other, what other law has been overturned since slavery was ended than federally being illegal to get an abortion so shouldn't everybody be shouting yet i go on all these mega church pastors even friends of mine and there's radio silence so i started talking mm -hmm. to some of them why aren't you speaking out why aren't you saying a word how about just you know you were able to do it and i know i'm gonna get so much trouble for saying this but you were able to put the black picture up for blm when everyone was putting the Ooh. black you were able to go to and support all lives matter which i believe praise <laughs> the lord all lives matters thank you lord but you are all behind that but the moment now abortion radio silence the church says nothing and i started asking people did your pastor speak out i wasn't being divisive i wasn't saying post your church and i got so many people saying didn't even mention it not even during your 30 minute offering not even during your 14 minute mm -hmm. you know lukewarm worship set not even mentioning and this is to show where the state of the church is where we don't even value these things happening and and i i realize why I know why they're not posting about it because they didn't pray against it why would you celebrate mm -hmm. something you didn't even spend time praying against mm -hmm. why would you celebrate something you never fought for you never warred for but those of us that have battled have fought have prayed have seek the lord you, like you said people like lou engel who's doing these stadium events crying out in repentance and fasting of course we're going to mm -hmm. shout and say something so my heart has been broken it was broken it's been broken on the radio silence one pastor told me isaiah i'll lose everything and my response was lose it all lose it all because your <laughs> silence will be loud on judgment day and i do believe this i believe if you are a leader in the body of christ your silence will be extremely loud on judgment day the bible commands us i know some of you well the bible the bible commands us to speak up for the for those that can't speak for themselves the bible says if they're oppressed and they can't speak up who who is more oppressed than a baby in a womb that has no voice to speak? Who is more in pain right now than a baby that's in the gas chambers? The wombs have become the gas chambers. Like literally we have had this Holocaust happening and we've been silent. And so I want to really continue to shout about this, talk about this. What was your thoughts, Elizabeth? You got on social media, you saw the radio silence. Oh, what are your thoughts on churches that are just still to this day silent about it? 
I mean, are we really surprised that the churches that let a virus cause them to close mm. their doors and no longer hold public worship that wow. they would not speak up on this issue? Like there is there is a there is a definite problem um, amongst leaders in the body of Christ with our courage meter, yes. <laughs> you know, um, there is a, there is a lack of boldness and courage. There are very few people that did what Rodney Howard Brown did when he said, no, I will not, um, close the doors of my church and what risked arrest in order to, um, stay faithful to his God and faithful to his faith, you know, and this is actually an interesting segue into what happened with me and my platform, which you were asking me about earlier. Um, and it goes to that moment in, I believe it was 2016, Isaiah. Do you remember Kim Davis, the Kentucky uh, clerk? Yes, yes. Who would not sign yep. the marriage license because of her convictions um, to marry um, a homosexual couple. She yes. did not believe that she could call marriage what God does not call marriage. And so this is actually where a lot of things shifted for me, Isaiah, and where I went from, um, only being a homeschool mommy to stepping into a place of, of leadership. And when I was sitting in my kitchen and I watched, um, you know, modest, unassuming Kim Davis her desk at her Kentucky office gets swarmed by national media, cameras, boom mics, everything. And this couple demanding to be married. And she said, I, I cannot do that. And they said, under what authority do you deny us a marriage license? And she said, under God's authority. Wow. Wow. <laughs> when Kim said that, I was literally sitting there in my kitchen watching this and my kids were around, you know, playing with Legos, whatnot. Um, we were homeschooling and I saw Kim say that and literally risk everything, her jail, everything. I said to my kids, pack your suitcases. We're going to Kentucky. Wow. I wanted my children to watch in real time a woman of God who feared God more than man, who feared God, you know, more than keeping her job, more than the stuff that would keep her so comfortable, more than a good reputation. She feared God. My kids were going to watch this thing go down in real time. And so we packed our bags. We headed to Kentucky. And I called as many people as would come to come and join us there in Kentucky. And we began to rally around this woman of God as she got placed in ankle and wrist shackles. <laughs> this Pentecostal wow. woman with hair down to her, you know, past her bottom and her skirt down to her ankles <laughs> who said, I love the Lord. I live in America. It's supposed to be a free country. And I can't sign this document and was not allowed to exercise her freedom of conscience. I took my kids there and a lot of people came and we, we were some of the very few people. Uh, if you go back and look at the footage, you'll probably see me and my kids there. I was very pregnant with my 10th. 
And the national media was swarming us and following us as we began to just wherever Kim was, whether it was jail or whatever was going down, we began to rally on behalf of her. And uh, you know what? We all love an underdog story. Um, I, I do. And the Bible is filled. Yes. with underdog stories. Our our heritage, our biblical heritage is, is so replete with examples of people like Kim Davis, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who said, I will not bow down to the gods Come of this on. culture. Uh, you know, we so often we don't ha- even exercise our courage muscles and our faith muscles Come enough on. to allow the fourth man in the fire to rise to the occasion on our behalf. We are so spineless. We are so scared Come on. that, that, that we never see God do these great things. And we yep. never see the exploits that we saw in the Bible because we're so gripped by fear. And so anytime I'm able to show my kids an example of someone who actually shows us biblical courage. I want my kids to watch that front and center. And I'm telling you, I, I was there at Kim's church the night she got brought out of jail. Um, oh. there, it was a small country church and there was her husband in his overalls at, at church. And I, my kids watched Kim dance in the front of that church as she got set free from jail. Uh, she was in jail in America wow. Crazy for being a Christian period. <laughs> and you know, that, that really jolted me. Um, the David Delighton videos, the undercover videos I mentioned, and then when Obama issued his transgender bathroom directive, Isaiah, I filmed my first little video and uh, posted it and thought a couple people would watch it. And, you know, uh, said, it's not okay for 200 pound men to say they're women Come and on. be in the bathroom, shower rooms and locker rooms of our daughters. I'm not okay with this. And 99% of moms are not okay Come with on. this. And I began to just speak to these issues, not from a political perspective, but from a biblical perspective. I began to boldly confront the social and moral issues of the day. And I mean, lo and behold, there seemed to be a hunger for it. And there was just a lot of viral videos, 16, 17 million views. This was when Facebook would actually let you go viral organically um, without paying them to do so. And um, I mean, Man, Isaiah, before you know it, it was, um, you know, a book deal and and speaking engagements. And, um, you know, you uh, one of the one of the funny things uh, that that happened was when Teen Vogue um, started teaching kids how to sodomize one another in their fashion magazine. Don't even get me started on Teen Vogue. Tell us about this story, though, about (laughs) what happened with you and Teen Vogue. I did a video on Teen Vogue. I kid you not. They did an article on how to do blood spells with with teenage girls period blood they were teaching girls they said take your period blood and you can do demonic blood spells i did a video on that and i was so disgusted in my research of teen vogue but i know you had a war with teen vogue tell us a little bit about that story (laughs) i know you're going into it i just want to throw it in there because they are vile as vile gets oh yeah teen vogue is into all things witchy and demonic satanic But uh, yeah, they were teaching kids in their fashion magazine how to sodomize one another uh, to keep it somewhat PG for you. And um, I just could not fathom that this was not a Twilight Zone. And so I filmed a video confronting this, telling moms and dads and grandparents to go to their stores, to go to their libraries and to demand that 
this obscenity. This is obscenity, pandering obscenity to minors, which is illegal. Yeah. And no one ever does anything about it. Your local sheriff should be dealing with this stuff. Yes. Okay. Your a politician should be getting this obscenity um, out of out of these libraries and stores, and they don't. And so I uh, said, okay, we'll do it. And I filmed the video and told parents to rise up. And let me tell you, they did. They began to go to these. We started Operation Full Teen Vogue. I didn't have any big funded organization. All right. I mean, I'm 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 not going to throw any of them under the bus. I'm not going to say any of their names. They get millions of dollars a year. And so few of them lift a finger on these Come issues. On. Come on. And um, organically, you know, that video, I think, got 17 million views that I filmed in my backyard. That cost wow. me nothing. Come on. Zero pennies. And I was ruthlessly mocked, Isaiah. I have never been so maligned. I mean, if you could have seen Twitter, um, I was, you know, called a Nazi book burner and a blonde Hitler and all of these things, you know. And um, I was told I was giving Teen Vogue, you know, advertisement that I was only doing them good. And five months later, Teen Vogue, a publication that has been in print since I was a little girl and I'm 46 years old, they printed their last print Come edition. On. We we gave them a black eye they could not recover from. I love and, it. And uh, you know, we we um we love people, but we don't love all ideas. Yes. And pandering obscenity to minors is not an idea that we should ever be okay with. And um, you know, this just touches to the issue of, of boldness and courage that we were talking about earlier and pastors not being willing to um, cause any kind of controversy. Yep. And that is just not, that is not this, yes. that is not what the Lord has the heritage the Lord has given us. And so, you know, my life has been one of just learning through a process of, you know, God gave me a few bears and lions and he saw what I did with that. And he, then he gave me other opportunities, bigger opportunities. And before I knew it, you know, I'm getting invitations to meet with leaders in the White House as someone who's never asked for that or, or tried to, to be that. And so if you will be faithful in the little things so that God gives you, you will be shocked by the Goliath that he ends up giving you to slay. So good. Elizabeth, I want to ask you a question here that we constantly get. People are putting it in the chat and they're, I think they're asking maybe not necessarily for them, but because they're constantly hearing this from friends and family. And obviously tonight we're equipping them to be able to answer for these things. What do, what do you say about those? And I know you've heard this a million times. You probably already know what I'm going to say, but what do you say about those that say, well, what about rape or incest? Now we know again, it's less than 1%. In my mind, it's not even an argument. Someone in the chat said, well, I have someone, a friend that was 10 or 11, whatever they said, and they were raped. And now you're saying, they have to have the baby what are your thoughts on the argument rape or incest especially with young minors and then say abortion's illegal and they can't travel to get one which i'm praying that abortion will be legal everywhere so this won't even be a question but what do you, what is your response to that so first of all it's very important that we understand that an abortion is never medically necessary to save the life of the mother. Mm. Let's talk about that for a second. We're going to unpack Come this on. for a minute. It won't it won't take long, okay? It's never medically necessary because please understand that if a woman is having a health risk, okay, with having the baby inside of her, 
and the doctor has to deliver the baby earlier than they wanted to deliver it. They treat the baby and they take a Hippocratic oath and are supposed to do this because when they have a pregnant woman, they have two patients. Yes. They have a woman, a mother and a baby. And so if the doctor treats the baby um, with whatever life-saving measures that they have and tries to save the baby's life and treats the mother and clearly they had to take the baby early than they wanted to, that is not an abortion. Mm. And no jury anywhere would say that that is murder. That is not murder. That is treating both to the best of your ability, giving them life-saving medical treatment. Okay. So let's just get that out of the way first and understand that there is never a reason why taking the baby out prematurely and then killing the baby or leaving it to die is ever helpful to the mother. Okay. It's actually proven that it is harmful to the mother on a number of levels to kill her child. So now that we have that out of the way on the issue of rape, we have just got to understand that yes, rape is terrible. Yes, it is abusive. Yes, it is wrong, illegal. It is exploitative. It must be punished to the absolute harshest that we can possibly punish the rapist. Let's get rid of the rapist. Let's not get rid of the baby. The baby Come is on, a victim. Say the it. woman is a victim. We do not execute the baby because dad is a bad person. Wow. Tell me where you ever execute a child because daddy is bad. Man, that is chills. wicked. That is evil. I have a good friend and there are many who have a mother who was raped, either yes. chose life for the baby or lived in a state and at a time when abortion was not legal for the mom who had been raped. And they live amazing lives, whether they do or not, doesn't matter. That's not why we decide whether a person lives or dies. We don't get to decide that. God decides that. But my friend, for instance, Rebecca Kiesling is the mother of multiple children, a lawyer, a pro-life activist, and she leads the organization Save the One, and she travels the globe advocating for uh, laws and for babies when the mother was raped because her wow. mother was raped and her mother lived in a time and in a state when she could not receive an abortion and she would have aborted if she could have. Wow. And Rebecca is alive today because her mother could not abort even though she would have. I believe I have the story accurately. Please forgive me, Rebecca, if, if I don't. But, um, you know, that that's how I, re I respond to that. That's so good. I love what you said there. It's like murder's never going to solve. Uh, it's like you have one crime and you think murdering, doing another crime is going to solve the first crime. I wanted to say this very important statement as well, that big misconception when you're arguing with those that are pro-choice, which you, I'm sure you've done so many times, even on like live television. But I will say this, they always say, well, the baby's not wanted. There is no such thing. Everyone in the chat hear what I'm going to say. There is no such thing as an unwanted child because there is somebody out there that wants your child if you don't. In fact, I had to look this up today, so I made sure that I knew what I was talking about. 
2 million people every single year are currently on a waiting list in America to adopt a child. And the list is larger for newborn children. In fact, it's so bad, if you want to go adopt a newborn, you can't because there's not enough newborns to adopt. So this whole idea like, well, there's not enough people adopting. I believe we should all be adopting, doing foster care. I'm 100% for it. But in reality, there's a massive wait list right now, right now as we speak, of people waiting to adopt a newborn that can't. And meanwhile, the narrative that the media gives us and that the devil gives us is murder your baby. Nobody mm-hmm. wants the baby. When that is a lie from the very depths of hell, there is somebody <laughs> out there right now. If you are pregnant, and again, I know we're talking, I want to make sure we keep in mind that there are people out there pregnant that are thinking about this. If you think nobody wants your baby, I promise you somebody wants your child. There's help out there. You can go to any police station any fire department and maybe you don't know this and drop your child off with no questions asked no questions asked there's a lot of them have these boxes now where they have cameras and you can put the baby in the safe drop box so there's no excuse to get an abortion i 100 percent believe this is an entire agenda demonic agenda fueled by demonic powers ephesians 6 tells us that there's a real spiritual battle so as we're warring against this issue of abortion we are fighting a spiritual battle and i thought about this elizabeth the day after roe v wade I got online, I got on Reddit, I looked at all these secular media, and I watched, and you did too, as the world manifested. Literally, people were screaming in the streets. Think about this. They were rioting. So I have a video on my channel where a guy went to a pro-choice rally and started asking people, which all of them had no clue what they were talking about, and this is in the video, but he started saying, you know, why are you pro-choice? Why are you so mad? And they were screaming, yelling, manifesting demons, (laughs) That and this is what they were mad about. We can't kill babies. I mean, really, I know we've made abortion a complex issue. It's a very simple issue. It's the murder of babies. That's the argument here. Is it okay to murder babies or not? And they were yelling, manifesting as they were. And I was sick to my stomach. I was kind of tossed and turned the whole day, frustrated by the response on Reddit and on the news and on this. And then I felt like I wanted just to read this word I felt. And it's not like a crazy prophetic word, but it's a revelation I felt I got from the Lord in prayer. And as I was praying, and I'll just read what I posted about this, I heard the Lord say, Moloch is mad. I just want to read this. Mm. The first battle Joshua faced when bringing the children into the promised land was Jericho. Many of you know the story, but don't realize there was a demon God worshipped in Jericho. The people living in Jericho were Canaanites, and they worshipped an idol named Moloch, the god of fire. Moloch was a giant brass image with the head of a bull, and in his belly was an opening where a fire burned. The way the worshipers appeased this angry God was to let their children, this Leviticus 18.21, pass through the fire. The Bible says in Leviticus 18.21, Thou shalt not let any of your seed, which is your children, pass through the fires of Moloch. Other translations say, Do not sacrifice your children to Moloch. This was a process where mothers would bring their living infants before the demon god Moloch, they would worship the idol, and they would roll their baby into the fire as a sacrifice to, the, to this demonic god. The mother was yep. was to dance and rejoice as her precious baby was burned right before her eyes. If she showed any sadness or remorse, the, the sacrifice was not accepted. After the babies were burned, they would gather their ashes and put them in jars. They would take the jars and they inserted the jars in the walls of Jericho as a memorial to the goddess of Moloch. Archaeologists discovered these remains in their studies. The destruction of the wall of Jericho was God's judgment against this demonic practice. It also shows us the kind of perverted madness the devil uses to destroy our children. Mm. But that would never happen again, right? 
1973, the Supreme Court of the United States passed legislation, legislation legalizing abortion. This was over 40 years ago, and since then, an estimated 60-plus million babies have been aborted and murdered in America. Mm. By God's power, there's been a federal ruling. I posted this. I'm reading what I posted. A federal ruling stating abortion is no longer, praise the Lord, a constitutional right. Several states have since banned, but we have a long way to go. The terrible irony is that many of these aborted babies are stored in jars in abortion clinics, much like the jars, the jars stored in the wall. I get all emotional talking about this. Much like the jars stored in the walls of Jericho. Moloch is mad. Mm -hmm and the church is the only resistance. The future of America is not in the hands of the politicians, it's in the hands of people of God. Moloch is mad and might have an assignment, but so do we. It is time for the church to rise up, to speak up, and to push back this demonic power. This is not a time for silence or political agendas. Mm. This is the time for war. Moloch might be fierce, but so are we. And Elizabeth, I wrote that, and I believe with everything on the inside of me that we are in, and I know you believe this as well, a spiritual war, a spiritual battle. Yeah. And as much as we are going to war, when we go to these abortion clinics, guys, we are, and you know, you'll know this if you've been to one, you are going to war mm -hmm. against demonic spirits of death. You are going to war against demonic powers of murder, spirits, uh, spirit of Herod that wants babies dead. The devil has always been after the seed. The devil has always been after our children. If you look at, we did a, a show last week about you know, the LGBTQ agenda for children, children, by the way, the video games that are teaching kids to start cults for children. All the, mm -hmm. all the stuff you see right now, Elizabeth, in our generation, these yeah. gross sins, the worst things, are all target targeted at children even if you look yeah. at like which we won't even go into this because it's not what we're talking about tonight but the feminist agenda right now what is the agenda don't be home with your kids let's and again we're not here to condemn anybody let somebody else raise your kids you don't need to really be a mom and you know having kids is not a big deal and they tell you you don't even need to have kids we are at an all-time oh man i know i'm going off here we are at an all-time birth rate low we're in danger of mm -hmm. literally in america going like p humanity going extinct. And I say that you can Google this because women are not having children and it's an epidemic right now. I've been studying going on where no longer are people having kids. And now it's like a bad thing to have kids when this is like the most amazing, beautiful thing God has created. Giving birth is now considered terrible. But what is the point of it all? It's the devil's agenda to come after the seed yeah. and to stop what God is doing. I know I kind of went off there on, on a tangent here, but what are your thoughts on the, do you believe that there is this demonic agenda going on in politics, in our world to kill these babies? Cause I can't think of anything else. When you see doctors, and I, I'm sure you've seen the clips where these abortion doctors are manifesting. They're literally growling. Yeah. They're literally growling mm -hmm. and manifesting demons. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I think now's the time for the church to be armed and dangerous. Yeah, it's, it's like you're watching, it's their sacrament. Yep. <laughs> it, it's, it literally is a spiritual war. It is their sacrament. You saw Elizabeth Warren like melting down, um, Democratic politician Elizabeth Warren just melting down in the streets after it in a way that I've, I've never seen her come unhinged before because it, it is their sacrament and it is a spiritual war. Um, it is not just a political war. And, you know, no nation that kills its children will last long. Wow. Period. Wow. And we have killed over 60 million children 
We have a lot of repenting to do, and we need a lot of revival. And I just pray, Lord, that you will send a great awakening to us in the name of Jesus. We need to press in, guys, and we need to pray for a great awakening like we have never seen uh, in this nation. The time is now. We are in in a really pivotal moment. Um, but it is certainly a spiritual war, Isaiah, as you so eloquently said already. Absolutely. I want to ask you one more thing, and then I'm going to have you pray for everybody watching. I know the time flies. We've been live for an hour, 20 minutes. I feel like we just hit record here. I know. It's crazy how fast. <laughs> I told you, I said, man, we'll go an hour and we'll be like flying here. Well, we'll have to do another one on yes. parenting and another yes. one on this and that. We had other. all this so list, guys, we, we of talking whole... about parenting, but we'll do it. We'll for sure do a part two. I want to ask you one more question, though. I have four young young baby girls. I have four young girls. And how do we as parents, which I have a link in the description I'll have you talk about, but how do we as parents talk to our children about abortion? Because mm. I was, when I grew up, Elizabeth, let me just share. My grandma's watching Grandma Lillian. Hi, love you, appreciate you. My grandma hey. would sit us down, <laughs> no joke, would sit us down. And I remember being in the best way, I know it sounds terrible, but traumatized because my grandma would say, we're going to show you videos of how abortions happen. I literally learned as a young child, the way they had abortions, the way it all happened, at what month, at what week. As a kid, we'd watch these very graphic videos, but it really instilled in me the reality and the horrors of abortion, the shocking horrors of abortion. And I remember even when I became an atheist and turned from God and was out sleeping around doing all that stuff, it was not even an option. Even as an atheist, I was like, nope, I saw the videos. I know what goes on. My grandma showed me. And I remember arguing with my at the time I was, you know, 18, my girlfriend at the time, her mom, she had no clue what abortion was. And she said, no, they don't kill. Abortion isn't murder. They only do it at like three weeks. It's a pill. This is a grown lady that had no clue the horrors of abortion. And I, I straight educated her right. because, you know, at 10 years old, 11 years old, however old I was, Grandma Lillian was showing us all the pro-life videos. Mm. We've lost that, Elizabeth, in this generation. We don't talk about it with our kids. We don't do the videos. And again, I'm not saying go show the video, traumatize your kids. You got to use your own discretion with that. But my grandma would show us and talk to us. And I knew as a child, this is what it was. Abortion was murder. They would vacuum the baby out. She showed us all the videos, how they would cut the baby up. And it was graphic, but it woke me up to the reality. What are some ways that we can talk to our kids? And what are your thoughts on talking to our kids about abortion and about this issue? Yeah, so don't do that. Okay, I've given you a uh, I provided something yes. for you that yes. is is less traumatic. Okay, yes. um, I would say that um, that there is a way to keep it age appropriate for children to keep the conversation age appropriate. So, for maybe a three to six year old, you're going to be showing them just pictures of a living baby inside the womb. You know, it's ultrasound good. pictures, and you're going to be talking about the beauty of life that God places inside a mommy. That's all they need to understand. And then for maybe a seven to ten year old, you're going to be talking about how this thing called abortion is actually where the life of the baby inside the mother is, is actually taken from the mother and snuffed out. And then maybe above 10 years old, you are talking about um, 
you know, sexual sin and how deviating from God's word leads you in, down this broken path where you might find yourself, you know, uh, wanting to get an abortion and talking about what an abortion is actually, you know, doing and maybe even showing them, you know, what this process or describing the process. And there's so much online that makes that, you know, readily available to you. But this is one of the reasons why um, I partnered with Brave Books and wrote this amazing book. This is Come a beautifully on, illustrated children's matter. book. I love that yes. title. We we decided to go a little um, a little controversial on our title. Little Lives Matter. It encapsulated everything that we wanted to say, and um, this is the child has no idea that they're learning about the sanctity of human life when they are reading this book. And it is appropriate for babies all the way up to 11 year olds really enjoy um, this book. And it's beautifully illustrated. And it's about a one-armed bear named Moby who's disabled. And um, this one-armed bear named Moby and, and mom have to fight off culture, the vulture who is the villain in the book. Culture the Vulture is trying to get mom and Moby. Yes, it is a word. Culture the Vulture is trying to get mom and Moby to live for their themselves. And they have to fight off this temptation to listen to Culture the Vulture and live for themselves. And they live sacrificial lives for one another. And not only does mom um, you know, care for and give Moby, who only has one front paw, a beautiful life. But then at the end of Moby's mom's life, when he is caring for her, when she is elderly, Moby um, dies to self and lives sacrificially for his elderly mother. And so this gorgeous love story is honoring the sanctity of human life for the disabled, for the unborn and for the elderly at the end of life. So I I just cannot say enough about this beautiful project. Um, Isaiah has linked for you a way for you to get it's on bravebooks.com. Yeah. But the coolest thing, Isaiah, um, is that in the back, there are games and activities for you to do. How many know everybody's on the TV, their devices, their iPads, nobody's talking anymore. Parents aren't having important conversations with their kids. And so we have provided these fun games and conversation starters for you to talk about human life, the value of human life, and for your child to not even really necessarily understand the amazing lesson that they're getting in that moment. Um, and amazing. if you subscribe, you can actually get another book like this every month that comes to to your doorstep. So I just amazing. love this project. It is a beautiful way for you to start having this conversation with the youngest of children in your home or in your um, maybe your Christian school or children's church. These are very appropriate to be in children's church just a great a great resource. So good. I'm going I cannot wait to give that to read to my daughters and I will say too for those saying, "Well, we got to do something." This is what this is we're doing something about it. Like Elizabeth is not just saying it, she's out there doing it, creating resources for you guys that are like I don't know to talk to my kids about it. I don't know what to do. She's creating resources for you guys. So don't just skip by support what is what what she's doing support this ministry and this is a, a good resource and a good tool so i'd recommend every single person should be getting one maybe you have a niece or a nephew or you have a grandkid get this book and put it in their hands we need so much godly literature we need so many godly yeah. resources for every one christian book coming out there's a thousand other books of 
demonic books or ungodly mm. books of them teaching your kid. <laughs> and so I tell people this all the time. If you don't disciple your kids, your their iPad will. I think one of my favorite quotes was, if we don't teach our kids to follow Christ, the world will teach them not to. So we really do need to be teaching our kids and training our kids. Elizabeth, before I get you off here, I would love for you to pray for those in the chat. And I feel it strong in my heart to pray for those that are watching, that have had an abortion, that feel the guilt and the shame, or maybe those that have paid for an abortion. I would love for you to pray for them. I know tonight mm -hmm. God can heal. God can deliver. Maybe some of you are bound. We know that people get an abortion. That's an open door to demonic spirits mm -hmm. and they live their life in anxiety and depression and fear, suicidal after mm -hmm. with nightmares and night terrors. If you would just pray for those in the chat that have maybe gone through this, that'd be amazing. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on Isaiah. We uh, love and honor you thank and you. Uh, your ministry and look forward to speaking alongside you in September here in yes. North Carolina at the, be awesome. at the Altar Global. And it's just been a great conversation. And thank you guys, uh, everyone who's been watching and participating and chatting. And please share this uh, because there's some people who are, who are going to be impacted. So Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for this opportunity to um, to be your mouthpiece, Lord, to uh, rise up and to speak truth and to be courageous in a, a decadent and dark culture. I just thank you so much for Isaiah and his family and all that they stand for. And I pray your blessing and your provision and favor, goodness and mercy to follow him and everything they set their hands to. In the name of Jesus, I just pray for signs and wonders to follow his ministry, Lord, for healing and deliverance, salvations, Lord. We thank you so much for everything you're doing through Isaiah. Lord, I just thank you for everyone watching right now. I pray for those who have suffered an abortion, God, and the trauma that goes with that. We just ask, God, for encounters with you right now in the name of Jesus. Yes. I know how many people I've heard have had encounters as they've stumbled across videos and you know different content that I produce, Lord. And I just pray for encounters right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, minister, heal, be the balm of Gilead, be the healer. Yes. that nothing else can bring to this person that is being tormented, that is suffering with their past abortion. Lord, we just pray that you'd break in by your Holy Spirit and deliver God and bring healing and peace to that troubled soul in Jesus name. I just thank you that people listening are going to experience your peace, your joy, Lord. They're going to begin to open your word and encounter you in ways that they have never encountered you before. I thank you, God, that there is nothing that we can do that makes us be so far from you that we cannot experience your forgiveness and your grace if we will call upon your name and repent of our sins, God. And I just pray that those listening would all bow the knee to you, Lord, and experience your mercy and your healing, God. We thank you so much, Lord. I pray for those that are listening who are considering yes, abortion, God. Yes. I just pray, oh God, that you will intervene that you, Holy Spirit, will intervene, God, and that they will not be able. Lord, they asked for a sign, and this is their yes. sign. They asked you to speak to them, God, and to make it clear if they weren't supposed to go through with it. And I pray, God, that right now they will realize this is their sign, that they cannot take the life of the child inside of them, oh God. I pray that you will minister to them. Lord, and that they will begin to encounter your people everywhere they go. They will begin to encounter your people who will show them the love of Jesus. 
Thank you, God, for what you've allowed to take place in this hour, hour and a half, Lord. And we just trust you, God. We pray for revival, revival, repentance and revival to flood across our nation and across this globe in Jesus name. Amen. You know, Elizabeth, Amen. hey, we, hey we, let me say this. Go ahead, go ahead. Let me say this real quick. Um, I highly encourage you to go to lovelife.org. Those that are watching who need help, you need resources. I highly encourage you to go to lovelife.org. They have so many resources. It's one of the most resourced pro-life ministries that I have ever been connected with. And uh, I love what they're doing. They don't just talk. They actually walk the walk. They will mentor women if you need help finding a job. I have helped them with, uh, with women. It is an amazing ministry and there is no reason why no situation so desperate, why you would need to actually kill the child inside of you to make your situation better. Wow. That's so good. So we started out by saying, if this video spares one child, listen to this. I got tears in my eyes as I was reading this. And in the beginning of your prayer, if you guys were wondering why I was distracted, the link wasn't working. So I fixed the link. So guys, all of you spamming, the link doesn't work. I fixed it in the beginning of her prayer. So that's why I was distracted. I feel Mm. bad. I was being irreverent, but the link is now fixed. But listen to this. This brought tears to my eyes here. This girl just commented on Facebook. I won't say her name, but she made it a public comment. She said, I'm so glad I came across this. God is speaking to me. I had an abortion scheduled for tomorrow morning out of state in Michigan. (laughs) Listen to this, Elizabeth. I had an abortion scheduled in Michigan out of state and God has spoken to me. And instead, I'm going to go to an OB appointment tomorrow to hear the baby's heartbeat. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Come on, chat. I need you guys in the chat to just say thank you, Jesus. Guys, that is one person right there on Facebook (laughs) that stumbled across this video said, I literally found this. God is speaking to me. And now I'm going to an OB to hear my baby's heartbeat. She said she had an abortion scheduled out of state in Michigan. Thank you, Jesus. All glory. Guys, this is why we have to do what we're doing. This is why we need to keep blowing the trumpet, spreading awareness, preaching this message, because this is the message of Christ, the message of life. This is on God's heart. It's God's heartbeat. And so, man, right there, everyone's in the chat with the crying emojis. Incredible. Thank you, Jesus. Thank, thank you, Lord. Jesus. It's so worth it. You thank know? you, Lord. I know it's we late pray for blessing you. on yes, her. Yes. Hey. Thank you. Hey, tell her. It. Tell her to reach out to me as well. Yes. I raise money all the time. I I I do things for for people that are in hard situations like this. And um, so my email is uh, elizabeth at elizabethjohnston.org. Feel free to reach out to me, ma'am, and let me see what I can do to make sure that you have the help that you need. Uh, Look, it's not just um, women contemplating abortion who need to come across this content. This is why what Isaiah is saying about sharing is so important. Look, I had a human trafficking victim, survivor, reach out to me several months ago and say, I ran across a pro-life video of yours and got saved because of it. Wow. Gave her life to Jesus Christ. And I helped her. I raised some money for her. And she is now in a full-time 
treatment center, overcoming the trauma that she went through after years of human trafficking because of a pro-life video that Come I had on. posted. And so it's not just those who are contemplating abortion that need to see this. There are so many ways so that God good. uses these pieces of content to impact people, to change their lives and to rescue them from their situation. So good. So you heard it. She's in the chat here. You can reach out to her Facebook email. That would be amazing. Praise the Lord. Where else? <laughs> Elizabeth, can they find you? I know I have your Instagram. I have a, most of your links in the description. Is there anything else you wanted to say or anywhere else that they can find you or any links you wanted to kind of just shout out here? Yes. Subscribe to my email yes. list because yes. we know that the big tech social media giants do not distribute our content. I have almost a million followers on social media and it's crazy how like out of 800,000 followers on Facebook, you know, we'll post a blog article or whatever. And, and that many people want to see my content yep. and yet Facebook will only deliver it to 200 people. Yep. And so if you actually want to see my content, we post blog articles every day on topics of, of, very serious importance um, in, in our nation and uh, great blog articles. And so go to elizabethjohnston.org and just hit the subscribe button and we won't spam you. You'll get a couple of emails a week on the burning social and moral issues of the day. And uh, that's the best way you can stay connected to me because Facebook don't want you to see what I know. What, and especially this, you know, we had an awesome audience tonight. We had tw about 2,500 most of the time. But wow. if we didn't have abortion in the title, we would have had 5,000, yeah. 6, 7,000. They pick, we know this, they pick what people see and you know of the million followers doesn't matter they're going to choose who sees and they definitely don't want anyone to hear about abortion they've silenced abortion for years oh, they yeah. flag the abortion content any title that has pro-choice pro-life abortion yep. it gets way down on the algorithm but you know what we're going to keep speaking truth god's going to get this video yes. into the right people that need to hear it and already that's a massive win with this girl Woo, saying, saying yes. what she said. So praise the Lord for life. And we're so excited what God is doing. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being on. I know it's late for you. So I really, really appreciate you. I know you have a lot on your plate and your kids and everything. And so we don't take it lightly. We value and appreciate you. Thanks so much for being on tonight. Love you guys. God bless you, Isaiah. Awesome. God bless. Guys, what an amazing time tonight. I want to challenge everyone to sow something. I want to sow into her. She's doing the work. She's doing the work. She's not just preaching it. She's actually doing it. So if you want to give, you can. I know a lot of people leave right when we're done. Don't dine and dash, okay? Don't dine and dash. Sew something in because I want to sew into her ministry. Again, she's out there doing it. Maybe you can't go out there. Maybe you say, well, I can't go to the abortion clinic. I can't write books. I can't be a blogger or an author or a traveling speaker. I want to sew into her because she's out doing it. So take your finances, your resources, put them in the good ground. It's absolutely biblical. If you don't think it's biblical, you need to go back and study the word of God. Sowing financially is absolutely a biblical reality. So if you want to give, you can. The links to give are on the screen. They're literally right there. They're pinned in the comments. You can give on PayPal. You can give on the website. You can give on Venmo. You can give on Zelle. Like literally everything. There's platform to give everywhere. It's, it's not hard. And then I'm going to be sending her finances tonight. So... You don't have to say, oh, this is for Elizabeth. I'm going to be sending her more than you send in. So more than you designate will be going to her tonight because I do believe it's the right thing to do. And, that, and we do that with all of our guests. Every one of our guests that we have on, we sew into them. What an amazing time. P.O. Box, for those that want to send a check, is in the description. You can see my P.O. Box in the description. It's right there. Just hit description and it'll be good to go. And I did fix the book link. It's a long link but I fixed it. I, it was messed up. I don't know why it wasn't working. 
But there you go. The Little Lives Matter. Make sure you get the book. You sew into this. Guys, we spend so much money on Starbucks and on food and on companies and going to the movies and Disney Plus and uh, Amazon and all the stuff we put our finances into. This is good ground to sew into. Her ministry is good ground. So I want to challenge you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content and please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.